You may be seated. Thank you, Donna, for reading our scripture passage for us. Friends, it's really great to get to be with you as we celebrate two years as a new neighborhood church this morning. And um, that's really exciting for those of us who've been part of this really from the beginning. It's just been amazing to see um, all of the ways that God has been at work in our midst. And uh, I hope that if you're able to, you'll stick around after the service today. We're going to have um, the Urban Crest um, Pizza uh, mobile oven set up out in the parking lot and bounce houses. And um, it's just an opportunity to celebrate God's faithfulness, um, even in bringing us to this particular location. As some of you know, um, actually about a week from tomorrow, January 30th, we will officially close on the purchase of this property as a long-term uh, church home for our church here in the heart of Lake Highlands. And so we're just blown away by God's incredible faithfulness to us, and yet even as we're looking back, we're wanting to look forward, and we're wanting to uh, really reorient ourselves by asking this question as we look to year three of why are we here? Um, what is the vision that we believe that God has entrusted to us in starting this new neighborhood church in Lake Highlands? And if you're not familiar with that vision, we've been talking about it for the last two Sundays together, but here it is. It's up on the the screen. Our vision as a church is that as a family being transformed by God's grace, that's who we are. That's what we hope is happening in our midst as we worship and as we gather in a community together, that we are basking in God's grace and his love and his goodness to us. And, and as that is increasingly true, then what do we do? What's our mission? What is it that we believe that God has called us to? Two things. First, that we help our neighbors find and follow Jesus. And then secondly, that we work for the flourishing of Lake Highlands. And so we're going to look at those two callings this week and then next week. Today we're going to talk about what does it mean that we long to help our neighbors to find and follow Jesus. And in many ways, that's why you would start a new church to begin with, isn't it? Dallas has a lot of churches. Dallas has a lot of great wonderful churches. Why would you start a new church in the city of Dallas? And the reason why we, we started this church is because we, we became convinced, as, as I think that the evidence just shows so clearly throughout the history of the church, that the most effective way to reach new followers is through new churches. Uh, people who don't yet know the hope and love and forgiveness of Jesus in their lives or people who do know Jesus, but they're not yet following him within his family. They don't yet have a church home. That was the heartbeat behind why we wanted to start this church, because we wanted to see more of our neighbors come to find and follow Jesus. Now, to be fair, that's not the only reason why the church exists. We said that last Sunday. I think my fear in, in preaching even a sermon on our, our mission as a church is that we would somehow walk away with just this sense of, of guilt or duty or obligation of these are the things that God wants me to be doing for him. We said the primary reason the church exists is not as a means to this other end of reaching more people. The primary reason the church exists is just to be God's family. Because God longs to delighten us as his children and for us to delighten him as our father. And yet he has given us this incredibly important calling and mission. That he wants to work through us as his children to help more people discover what it means to know him 
as their father. And I think it's important as your pastor to come back to this vision um, time and time again and to, to put this before us as a church because inevitably over time with any church, with any organization, eventually the natural tendency is to begin to focus inward. We begin to lose sight of that external focus, that desire to see our neighbors who don't yet know Jesus come to know him. This happens with any church. It happens with any nonprofit, any organization. I read a great book a few years ago by a guy named Peter Greer. It's called Mission Drift. Maybe some of you have read that before. It's about how um, this, this, this danger, this crisis facing leaders and churches and charities, that they start off with a great mission. They start off with the ways that they want to impact um, the world and impact people's lives for the better. But over time, any organization inevitably starts to turn inward. The focus becomes how do we make sure that we're meeting our budget? that we're maintaining our facilities, that we're paying our staff, that we're simply surviving. Self-preservation becomes the, the instinct of any organization, really any church, over time. And so what I want to do this morning is just to kind of call us back to and, and remind us, for some of us this is going to be a reminder, for some of this maybe this is, this is new, but, but this, this calling that God has entrusted to us that we believe is so important to why we're here in Lake Highlands, that we want to be a church that helps our neighbors uh, to find and follow Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're already a follower of Jesus, I hope you hear this and you walk away just encouraged, reminded of what a precious and amazing thing it is that you get to follow Jesus. And maybe a little bit more inspired to want to help others to follow him too. And for those of you who are here this morning and you'd say, you know, I'm not even sure that I am a convinced follower of Jesus. First off, we're so glad that you're here. And maybe, maybe you'll walk away just understanding a little bit more of why it is that that, that family member or that friend who invited you here, who longs for you to know Jesus, why it is that they long so much for you to know and follow him too. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this story um, that Donna read for us a moment ago. And we're going to look at five lessons, five lessons for how to introduce our friends and neighbors to Jesus. I know pastors normally have three points in their sermons, uh, but often they bury sub points in those points. So just full candor, five lessons. They're not too long, but we'll walk through those uh, together. So uh, here we go. First, if you say, well, well, how do I even begin? If I am a follower of Jesus, how do I begin um, to go about wanting to help my neighbors to also find and follow Jesus. The, the first lesson from this story is where we should start. Um, start next door. Um, you, you look at this story and you see when, when, when Andrew first begins to follow Jesus, who's the first person he goes and tells? His brother Simon. When Philip begins to follow Jesus, who's the first person that he goes and tells? His good friend, Nathaniel. If you want to know, where should I begin to, to try to help my neighbors find and follow Jesus? Start with those very people that are closest to you. 
Start with the people that God has already put in your life, whether that's literally your, your neighbors or figuratively just the people that you work with, the people that you are around most often. Start next door. We believe that you do not live where you live by accident. It's not an accident where you live. It's not an accident the people with whom you work. It is not an accident the people that you regularly see at carpool or at the playground. We believe in a sovereign God. Jesus says, not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will of my Father in heaven. The people that are in your life are not there by accident. And so I would encourage you just to begin to, to think about and to ask God, who are two of those people, maybe three of those people that are closest to me that, that, that I can begin to pray for and to pray that God would give me opportunity? To really get to know them in a meaningful way and, and perhaps even to, to turn the conversation towards God and, and, and maybe even to get to introduce them towards Jesus. And, and don't miss, by the way, the fact that in this story, these guys, that they're all from the same little town. They're all from Bethsaida, we're told, which was like a little suburb of the larger town of Capernaum. And that's true in like a city like Dallas too, right? You know, Dallas is a really big city, but within Dallas, there are all these different neighborhoods, all these different pockets. And within each neighborhood, you've got your own schools and your own networks and your own relationships. And, 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 and we as a church, that's part of why we, we really wanted to be embedded in a particular neighborhood. We, we really wanted to be a church that's in and for Lake Highlands. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in our church lives in Lake Highlands. We recognize that, that some of you, maybe you live outside of Lake Highlands, and yet God has called you to be a part of this church family. That's wonderful. We love that. Uh, but I will say, part of the way that we can be the most effective witnesses for Jesus is when there's kind of this whole life witness where you might see somebody down the street on a walk. You might see somebody at the grocery store. You might see somebody um, that you're, you, you know at the gym, and, and your life intersects in all those different ways with a neighbor. You, you have an opportunity in a whole life way to be able um, to witness uh, to Jesus and, and invite people to come to know him. So if you want to ask the question, where do you begin in this work of, of evangelism, introducing others to Jesus, start next door. But then secondly, speaking of that, that invitation, secondly, as we get to know people, as we want to introduce them to Jesus, I think the second lesson we take from this story is that we, we want to invite them to come and see. It's an invitation to come and see. Come see who Jesus is. Come explore if he really is who he claims to be. Come find out the difference that Jesus might really make in your life as he's made a difference in mine. I love the way that this story is just filled with invitations, and primarily this invitation to come and see. Now, you might think to yourself, well, gosh, back in Jesus' day, I mean, this was, this was easy to invite people to come and, and meet Jesus because he was there in the flesh. They really could Meet him in that way. How do you invite people to meet Jesus today? And I think part of the way we do that is through the Gospels. These are accounts of the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus. I've, I've, I've sat with people before. I've said, hey, would you be willing uh, to read a Gospel account with me? And, and that can be a helpful way 
um, for somebody to begin to get to know who this Jesus is. Another thought, though, and I think this is, is really important to grasp. Excuse me, I need to, I need to cough here. <coughs> Still overcoming a little bit of a, um, a cold this week. Um, another way I think that we, we invite people to meet Jesus is actually by inviting them into his church. There are a lot of shortcomings to the church, a lot of failures uh, of the church, And yet, one of the most significant ways that we can invite people to really meet Jesus is through his body, uh, through the church family. Uh, I wonder if any of you, um, the reason why you're here is because somebody invited you. I I think that's probably true for uh, a lot of us who are here. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, A lot of us who are here this morning is that uh, somebody invited us to be here. I talked to one of the leaders in our church about this recently. He said that um, he had a friend that he was spending time with. Uh, He invited that friend to our church. Uh, The friend didn't show a lot of initial interest. Uh, And then several months later, he said that friend, he was with him again, and he asked him, he said, hey, I just wanted to invite you again. Would would you want to come and and be a part of uh, our church visit and worship with us? And, and, And I love what this friend said to him. He said, you know, I've been thinking about that invitation ever since you made it. And this is just the nudge that I needed to come and and worship. And so he did, and he's come, and he's come several times since then. Some people may be just one invitation away from being able to come and and to meet and begin to follow Jesus. That's true in the story. Jesus says to, um, he says to, to, to Philip, he says, come follow me. And that's all that Philip needed, right? That one invitation. And so I think that's a, a second lesson for us to take, um, to invite people to come and to see. Uh, here's the third, third lesson. Some people, though, uh, they're just one invitation away. Uh, other people, though, they've got some pretty significant barriers, some pretty significant objections. Maybe some of you here this morning, you've got doubts um, that keep you from, from really being able to say, I want to commit to following Jesus. And so in that case, I think that the lesson for us to take is that some people Uh, are ready for that invitation into the life of the church. Uh, Other people, though, um, the next step is to invite them not to the church. They wouldn't come to worship. They wouldn't come to a community group. uh, But it's to invite them into our lives. It's to invite them into our homes. Did you notice that in this passage, the disciples, they say to Jesus, they say, Jesus, where are you staying? And Jesus says to them, come and see. Uh, In other words, he invites them over. He invites them to his home. They spend the day with him. And and I love that. Um, I think that's so important, uh, that practice of hospitality, inviting people to our tables. Um, Some of you might remember, we actually did a whole sermon series uh, in our first year called Meals with Jesus, going through the Gospel of Luke. And we looked at how Jesus constantly is inviting people to share his table with him. And those who feel far from God are drawn near to God through that hospitality, through that fellowship around the table. And, and some of you might even remember the story that we've shared. We love this story of, of Rosaria Butterfield. Anybody remember that story? The professor at Syracuse University, and she was doing research and getting ready to write a book uh, on why it is that Christians are so bigoted. Why Christians are so narrow-minded, so hateful towards those who don't share their beliefs. She was all set to write this book. She wrote about it in the local, local paper. And, and there was a, a Christian couple who read about that in the paper. 
So they reached out to her, and they invited her over for dinner. And she thought, this will be a great chance to do some research for my book. So she went over uh, to their home. She had dinner with them. And amazingly, in that dinner, they weren't trying to invite her to church. They didn't try to uh, convert her to, to Christianity. They didn't really even talk about Jesus in that first meal. They just got to know her. They asked her good questions. They learned about her life and even some of the barriers that, that were keeping her away from, from God and the church. And, and because of that hospitality, she actually was, was drawn to come back. She came back for meal after meal after meal. They made it a weekly habit. And eventually, Rosaria ended up asking questions about Jesus. They ended up sharing because, you know, if you love something, you're going to talk about it naturally. So they did tell her why they love Jesus. And eventually, she became a Christian. She became a follower of Jesus. I love <coughs> how she puts this. Uh, she says that, that through hospitality, uh, that's where uh, strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. And so for us as a church, you know, some of you have heard this before, but we want to come back to this and just say, you know, maybe as you think about this next year, how are you going to practice this hospitality? Who are those neighbors that you're going to invite uh, over to your home uh, to share a meal, people that you'll invite into your life. Maybe it's a coworker uh, that you want to invite to go grab a coffee or lunch or happy hour after work one day. Some people, uh, we need to invite them into our lives uh, before they're ready for that invitation to the church. And in the midst of that, here's the fourth lesson. Um, expect that they may have some objections. They may have some doubts. They may say some things that you might find offensive. You know, here's Philip. He's so excited about Jesus as his Messiah. And he goes to Nathaniel and he says, I found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. What, is, what does Nathaniel say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? And, and what, what is Philip's reaction? Does he say, that's my Messiah you're talking about? That's my Jesus. Does he get offended? Does he get prickly? No. And he just says, come and see. Come find out for yourself if Jesus is who he claims to be. And I think for us to remember not to be easily offended, for us to be comfortable with people to be able to express their doubts, to express their objections, we want to be a church where there is room for those who are not yet convinced, where this is a safe community, where people can have their, their doubts and their objections. We're not easily offended but we're inviting people to find out that most important question, who do you believe Jesus to be? And then here's the last lesson. The last lesson is that, you know, even as there are some people who have their, their strong doubts and objections, there are many people who don't. Uh, many people, especially in a city like Dallas, a city that has a lot of cultural Christians and people who, who they're not hostile to the church. They're not hostile to Jesus. They might be fairly positive about the church. They might even say that they believe in Jesus. But we want to recognize that as we want to live out this calling, our desire is not just to introduce people to Jesus. Our desire is to invite people to follow Jesus. And there's a huge difference. There's a, there's a categorically significant difference between simply affirming truths about Jesus and actually being someone who is following Jesus. You know, John the Baptist apparently several times has told these disciples, he said, hey, that's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. These disciples, they've heard that before. 
Perhaps they already believed that to be true. And yet this is the first time that they begin to follow, that they begin to take steps towards Jesus. There's a huge difference between affirming truths about Jesus and actually beginning to follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus, right, to follow anyone, to follow implies what? Movement. It means you can't stay where you are. To follow somebody means you've got to leave where you were to begin to follow them. Your life has to change. Your life has to begin to be reoriented around this relationship with Jesus to be his follower. You know, I love what what Jesus says to Simon in this passage. He says, Simon, you are Simon. I accept you today, but I also see who you're going to become through me. You will be Cephas the rock upon whom I will build my church. What it means to follow Jesus is an invitation to change. It's an invitation to transformation. It's an invitation to learn to reorient every part of your life around this relationship with Jesus. It's an invitation to what we call discipleship. And if you've ever asked before, what does that mean? What is a disciple? Uh, I'll tell you, literally, the word disciple It means a student. It means a learner. And I think when we think of that word student, you know, we often think go into class, I'm taking in certain information, then I go back to my ordinary life. But, you know, to be a student of a rabbi in Jesus' day, it actually meant you would go and live with the rabbi. That's why they asked Jesus, hey, where are you staying? Because if we're going to be your disciples, we're going to come live with you. We're going to come spend time with you. To be a disciple wasn't so much just about the intellect. It was about emulation, and it was about obedience. It was about learning to live life like the rabbi, saying we want to be with you so that we can become more like you. Discipleship is is this invitation to begin to reorient every part of your life around Jesus. And of course, that's scary. I think it's scary for those who aren't yet following Jesus. It's scary sometimes for those of us who already do follow Jesus, because what if obedience to Jesus means I've got to give something up in my life? What if obedience to Jesus means I need to surrender or I need to deny myself in some way in order to follow him? And I promise you it will. Absolutely, obedience to Jesus does mean self-denial sometimes. It does mean sacrificing and giving up certain areas in our lives in order to live in obedience to him. But listen to this. I love this. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he doesn't just say come. He says, come and see. Come and see. See for yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it to deny yourself to follow me? Is it worth it to give your life to me? Is it worth it to surrender to me? Come and see. And I'll I'll end with this. You know, Jesus, Jesus says this to Nathaniel. He says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. We don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree, but when Jesus says that to him, right, it's, it's so astounding to him. He's in such shock and awe. He says, Rabbi, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. He's blown away. What does Jesus say to him? He says, you're blown away because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. He says, you're going to see greater things than these. 
you're going to get to see heaven opened up and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And you know what that is? That's a reference, actually, to a story back in the Old Testament. Some of you might have read it recently. If you're going through our Bible reading plan, it's, it's the story of Jacob. Jacob's ladder. He has this dream where he sees these angels ascending and descending into the very presence of God. You know what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, look, I am that ladder. You want to know God? You want to enter the very glorious presence of God? He says, I'm the ladder. I'm the way that you experience the presence of God in your life. And if you follow me, yeah, are you going to deny yourself in some ways? Are you going to have to give up maybe certain things? Absolutely. But the presence of God is going to come into your life. There's going to be joy. There's going to be fulfillment. There's going to be purpose. There's going to be peace in your life beyond anything that you can imagine. And the only way you're going to discover and find that is as you follow me. The proof of whether it's worth it to follow Jesus is found in the following. And some of you have experienced that. You found that as you seek to do your life in every way with Jesus, in the way you live and in your work and as you parent, and in your marriage, and as you go through joys and sorrow and suffering and pain, as you do all of that in union with Jesus, you, you found that joy. You found that fulfillment. You found that peace you cannot find anywhere else. You found that strength to be able to endure anything that life throws your way as you do life following him. Jesus' invitation is not just come, it's come and see. See for yourself what difference Jesus can make in our lives. And so we want to be a church then that doesn't just introduce our neighbors to Jesus. We want to invite them to follow him. And for those of us who already are followers of Jesus, we want to be a church that challenges each other to, to, to continue to follow him, to continue moving to continue taking whatever that next step is towards Jesus in our lives. Jesus says, come and see. That's the invitation that we want to extend to our neighbors. That's the invitation that we want to receive and respond to ourselves. And so let's, let's come and see. Let's just do that as we come to the Lord's table together this morning. Lord Jesus, you have given us a great mission. Some have called it the great commission that we are to go and make disciples of all nations that we're to be sent out to help our neighbors to find and follow you. And yet we know that all of the doing that you call us to do is, is first grounded in our being with you. And being a people who ourselves have answered that invitation to come and see. Jesus, who have come and tasted and seen that you are good, that you are loving, that you are beautiful, that you truly are the way and the truth and the life, and that life makes most sense. Life is most satisfying and meaningful. 
that our Lord Jesus was betrayed. 